Hello, and welcome to another edition of the State Bar of Michigan's On Balance podcast on Legal Talk Network. I'm Molly Rands. And I'm Joanne Hathaway. We are very pleased to have Robin Eagleson, Ethics Counsel for the State Bar of Michigan, join us today as our podcast guest to talk about the top IOLTA trust account questions received on the State Bar of Michigan Ethics Helpline. And with that, Robin, could you please share some information about yourself with our listeners? Thank you for having me. Hello, everyone. As stated, my name is Robin Eagleson, and I am Ethics Counsel for the State Bar of Michigan and have been for the last two years. My previous experience includes law practice for almost a decade, serving as a management analyst for the State Court Administrative Office and working and teaching at MSU Law. My focus is at the State Bar, providing ethical guidance to attorneys, judges, and law students on the ethics helpline, serving as the Bar's liaison to the Judicial Ethics Committee and Professional Ethics Committee, and providing and drafting ethics resources for members of the Bar. Basically, all ethics, all the time. So I am excited to be here today to speak to you all about trust accounts, as this is a topic we get many questions on from attorneys. So hopefully the information provided today will help with at least some of those questions. Thank you so much for being here, Robin. Okay, what is an IOLTA and who is required to have one? So IOLTA stands for Interest on Lawyers Trust Accounts. IOLTAs allow lawyers to deposit nominal and short-term client or third-party funds into a pooled interest or dividend-bearing trust account when the deposits could not earn net income for the client or the third party. The net interest or dividends generated on IOLTA funds is forwarded to the Michigan State Bar Foundation, which is an IRS tax-exempt charity. It employs the income to support civil legal services for the poor and improvements in the administration of justice. And all 50 states have IOLTA programs. Are you required to have an IOLTA? No. An attorney is not required to have an IOLTA unless they are holding funds for a client or third party, such as a retainer or settlement funds. So, Robin, how does an attorney decide if money goes into their IOLTA? IOLTAs are used to maintain unearned fees or settlement monies. Therefore, if the lawyer receives a retainer, a fixed or flat fee, a fee for future services or settlement funds, basically, any monies received that the lawyer has not yet earned or settlement funds that need to be maintained until they're cleared and before they're dispersed to the clients or anyone with a lien, those need to go into an IOLTA. Robin, how much money should be kept as a buffer in an IOLTA? So in accordance with Michigan Rule of Professional Conduct 1.15, subsection F, like Frank, lawyers may deposit a reasonable amount of their own funds into an IOLTA to pay service charges or fees or to receive a waiver of them. However, it needs to be noted that it can't just be $100 because you want to deposit $100 the amount actually has to be tied to the amount the bank requires to avoid those service charges or other fees. So we always recommend getting written confirmation from the bank as to what those bank charges and or fees are so that you can keep that documentation in your administrative law firm file should there be any questions later on as to the lawyer's own monies going into that IOLTA. What if an attorney has overdraft protection? Does an overdraft still get reported to the Grievance Administration? Yes, they do. All overdrafts are reported to the Grievance Administration, irrespective of any overdraft protection or even any other similar privileges that may attach to the account. However, 
I don't want anyone to freak out. <laughs> so I do want to know that all overdrafts do not prompt a full investigation. For example, a nominal overdraft may result in a preliminary inquiry to determine if a full investigation is even warranted. Each overdraft notice is evaluated on an individual basis. So it's really all about accurate accounting practices and attorneys ensuring they know what is going in and out of their IOLTAs. Robin, does an attorney have to deposit a non-refundable fee into a client's trust account? No. Non-refundable fees cause probably the most confusion and uncertainty among attorneys. A true non-refundable fee cannot, and I want to stress that, cannot be deposited into an IOLTA because that would be commingling since the lawyer has already earned the fee. But non-refundable fees are not necessarily non-refundable because every fee is governed by Michigan Rule of Professional Conduct 1.5, whether the fee is reasonable. So for example, if the client terminates the lawyer's services in a few weeks after receiving a $10,000 retainer for a divorce case, it would be unreasonable for the attorney to keep all $10,000 after only a few weeks of work. So therefore, the attorney would need to figure out how much they actually earned during those few weeks of work and then refund the remainder. So non-refundable fees are not necessarily non-refundable. Robin, what is a non-IOLTA account? So we've discussed what an IOLTA is. It's a pooled interest or dividend-bearing trust account, that interest that goes to the Michigan State Bar Foundation. IOLTA does not earn income, but on the flip side, a non-IOLTA earns income after any costs are incurred, are paid, and then will go to the client or third party for whom the funds are being held. The main difference between the two accounts is the earning of income and where it goes. It should be noted that a lawyer's good faith decision to deposit or hold funds in an IOLTA or non-IOLTA is not reviewable by the disciplinary agency. But if attorneys would like to discuss how to do that analysis, they can feel free to contact the Ethics Helpline or even better, attend the Trust Account Seminar we hold three times a year where we do discuss how to do that analysis. Robin, an attorney who's listening may wonder which trust rules control if I'm licensed in Michigan but practice in another state that has different trust rules. So the answer to this question really depends on where you are practicing and where the client is. For example, if the lawyer who is licensed to practice in Michigan and is representing a Michigan client but living or working in another state, then the Michigan trust account rules apply. The license of the attorney is not what determines what trust account rules apply. It is where the client is being represented that matters when answering this question. Thank you, Robin. We are going to take a short break from this excellent conversation with attorney Robin Eagleson to thank our sponsors. Get civil and you get a fast, custom-built website that looks great, brings you clients, and drops them right into your firm's systems. Civil partners perfectly with small firms by building the fastest sites in legal, handling digital marketing, enhancing your leads, and providing transparent analytics. They're civil to your other tech, too. Civil websites integrate with all legal case management systems, including Clio, Smokeball, MyCase, and Lawmatics. Get a free site audit with a no-obligation 15-minute demo about what Civil can do for your website. GetCivil.com. That's G-E-T-C-I-V-I-L-L-E.com. All rise with Civil. Contract automation isn't a trend. 
It's a strategic imperative. Though big players in the e-sign world will make you believe implementing it will cost you big bucks and more than a few headaches, it doesn't have to be that way. DocuB is an easy-to-onboard, full suite of products that includes e-signature, brilliant workflow capabilities, and AI contract automation at nearly half the price of those out-of-touch behemoths. The one thing DocuB doesn't automate? Their customer service. Visit get.docub.com slash contracts to set up a call with a real live person. DocuB will be with you every step of the way. Welcome back. We're here today with Robin Eagleson, Ethics Counsel for the State Bar of Michigan, talking about the most commonly asked trust account questions asked on the State Bar of Michigan Ethics Helpline. Robin, what records must an attorney keep in case the Grievance Administration asks for their IOLTA records? So my mantra is keep as much of your records as possible. But at least for the basics, a lawyer should keep the identity of the financial institution, the identity of the account holder, the account number, information identifying the transaction item, and the amount and date of the overdraft in either the amount of the returned instrument or other dishonored debit to the account and the date returned or dishonored or the date of presentation of payment and the date paid. There are other items that may be required that you would want that an attorney would need to provide, such as a signed written explanation for the overdraft or presentment of checks against the non-sufficient funds, specifically identifying the payee and purpose of the paid or returned checks, the source and purpose of the related deposit, if any, and what steps the lawyer took to rectify the situation, including paying any associated bank fees. Other things are copies front and back of the paid or returned items, copies of the account signature card and the lawyer's complete, so I'm saying all the pages, IOLTA bank statements for the preceding three months, including any statements that reflect the overdraft. So it's really important when choosing a bank to make sure that you get those statements. Copies of any and all records that correspond with the lawyer's last three monthly IOLTA bank statements that we already referenced, including but not limited to records showing the source and purpose of deposits and information as to the payee and purpose of checks drawn from the account, general ledgers, client ledgers, et cetera, and the lawyer's trust account reconciliations for the preceding three months. So when choosing a bank, make sure you can get access to all of these things. If you're looking for a specific list about these, you can actually find it on the Attorney Grievance Commission website. They do have these uh, items listed if you actually need to see this written out. What about forms? Can a lawyer use their own forms for the record keeping that you're talking about, Robin? Simple answer is yes. Lawyers can use their own forms for record keeping. We do have forms that we have created to assist lawyers, and we are actually in the process of converting those forms and making them user-friendly even more so, but lawyers can absolutely use their own forms for record keeping. So is an attorney required to notify the state bar when he or she closes out their IOLTA account? No, absolutely not. We get this call quite frequently, actually, with lawyers saying, hey, I'm closing out my IOLTA, I'm notifying you. There is no requirement in the rules that a lawyer needs to notify the state bar when they close out their IOLTA. Robin, I'm wondering if each client has their own IOLTA or if all the funds get pooled into one account. An IOLTA is a pooled account. 
and all funds from the different clients are maintained in this account and all interest is paid then to the State Bar Foundation for charitable purposes. However, for a non-IOLTA, the interest is payable to the client or a third party for whom the funds are being held. So it's generally a separate account for the client or that particular matter, but it can be a pooled account. But the lawyer would be responsible if they are keeping a pooled account for calculating the payment and proportional share of the interest for whomever's funds are held in that account. And then they have to do some tax reporting by the bank or the law firm. So many attorneys who choose a non-IOLTA, they do keep separate accounts for those clients. Where are funds placed when an attorney receives a mixed fee, say partially earned and partially unearned, in one form of payment? So first, let me explain A mixed fee is when you receive one payment, part of which is earned and part of which is unearned. The earned part is placed in the operating account and the unearned portion is placed in the trust account. But many people pay with one form of payment. So what happens when that payment is in the form of one check or one credit card payment and includes both that earned and unearned fees and you don't have the ability to separate those funds? Then the attorney needs to deposit all the funds into the IOLTA the attorney has an obligation to promptly disperse the earned portion of the fee into the operating account. They are not to leave any earned portion in that IOLTA and pay, for example, a personal or operating bill out of that because that can cause a lot more headaches than it's worth and may be considered commingling if any earned fees are left in the IOLTA. So I strongly encourage any attorneys to take that extra step and transfer the earned portion of to the operating account and then pay what you need to pay, for example, rent out of your operating account. Robin, is there a place where we can find or report scams? Yes, there is. Lawyers who have been targeted in a scam are recommended to file a police report with their local agency. If the scam involves checks and or banking, We do ask them to please also report that to their local U.S. Secret Service field office. Additionally, attorneys are encouraged to share information regarding scams with the Michigan Cyber Command Center for informational purposes. So there's a lot. So for complaints regarding network intrusions, account compromises, and or ransomware, it is recommended that attorneys file a complaint with the Michigan Cyber Command Center. They can be contacted at mc3 at michigan.gov or call 1-877-MI-CYBER. If you believe that you have been targeted in a scam that other Michigan attorneys should know about, we do ask them to also let us know at the bar so that we can provide the information to the, the attorneys and members of the bar. They can provide that information to ethics at mishbar.org or they can even email hello at mishbar.org after alerting authorities, and we will place it on our scam site without any identifying information. And all of this information can actually be found on our scams website on the State Bar of Michigan site. Wonderful. Well, it does look like we've come to the end of our show. We'd like to thank our guest today, Robin Eagleson, for a wonderful program. Robin, this information has been so helpful. If our listeners would like to follow up with you, what is the best way for them to reach you? They can email me directly at reagleson, R-E-A-G-L-E-S-O-N at mishbar.org or call me direct at 517-346-6333. They can also reach out to the Ethics Helpline at 877 558 
1-800-273-4760 or email ethics at mishbar.org. And anyone who returns calls or emails to the helpline can answer their questions as well. I'm also going to make a plug for the Trust Account Seminar that we put on three times a year. And information on how to register for those seminars can be found on the Ethics website under Seminars. Thank you again, Robin. This has been another edition of the State Bar of Michigan On Balance podcast. I'm Joanne Hathaway. And I'm Molly Rands. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the State Bar of Michigan On Balance podcast. Brought to you by the State Bar of Michigan and produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Find the State Bar of Michigan and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download Legal Talk Network's free app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network or the State Bar of Michigan or their respective officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.